Welcome back to another episode of the Mouth of the South podcast. I am your host, Darian Gray, and as the name may suggest, I am the Mouth of the South. Thank you guys for going on this journey with me. And, you know, we had a fall off, big bad loss against the Carolina Panthers after a huge victory against the Green Bay Packers. And this week we're going against the New England Patriots, which I don't know if anybody cares or if anybody thinks it is as cool as I think it is. However, that means three weeks in a row, the Saints will be facing all three of the teams in the NFL whose mascots start with a P. And I don't know if that's ever been done before. Like I said, I don't know if anybody finds it as cool as me. However, I was just thinking, I was like, wow, Patriots, Panthers, Packers, all, all the P's. Anyway, uh, probably my dork moment of the, of the uh, pod, and that's what I get for being vulnerable. However, we're going to start off with the quote of the week, and I think this is important, bouncing off of last week's game. I know a lot of fans, you've either jumped off a cliff saying Jameis is not the man, Jameis is this, Jameis is 30 interceptions again, just wait for it. Or you might be a part of the group who is saying, look at how many people the Saints were missing. However, whichever one you are, especially if you are the former, I have this quote from Maya Angelou. I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. Yeah, I might sway, you know, I might understand I need to do some things different, but we will not be reduced by that I don't want to say a beatdown because I do feel like the Saints were significantly hampered, though they did get beat down. I, the loss. I'll just call it a loss. I'll just keep it that simple. We will not be reduced by that. Alvin Kamara had a great article, on, or there was a great article about Alvin Kamara on NOLA.com and just basically saying how he wants to respond and how the Saints have responded since he's been in the lineup since 2017. One of the best teams in the league coming off of a loss. We know one of the best teams period, in that time span as far as winning victory, so it only makes sense. We're going to start off with our I Would Like to See That segment. I told you guys, inspired by Monique and her I Would Like to See That GIF, I have things that I would like to see this week. I have things that interest me and I will be on the lookout for. And it starts off with coaches on the sideline. We talked about last week all the players that were missing on the uh, defensive side of the ball, and the offense had a lot of coaches missing. And maybe most importantly, the offensive line coach. He should be back. A lot of coaches will be back. We don't know. COVID protocol, things could change in the, in the next 48 hours. I'm recording this at middle of Friday, so things may change. You may get more coaches back, but a good amount have already been released uh, and out of COVID protocol, so they'll be back on the sidelines. I want to see it because you're going to need to adjust. I don't care where the Saints are deficient at in this game. Going against Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, both respected minds on their side of the ball, you will need to adjust at some point. So I just think that it's important to have your coaches on the sideline, not just throughout the week, but also through those 60 minutes so they can course correct when anything goes wrong. Because even when you're doing good, there's something that you can improve on and something that maybe the defensive coordinator saw could be exploited, though they didn't on that drive. And just maybe the offensive coordinator sees it as well so that you can clean it up before it even gets to the point of being exploited. The second thing I would like to see, and I'm pretty sure we are going to see it, is Pete Werner on the field, man. I'm excited. And I was not excited when the pick happened. I will admit, I was not excited. However... 
Zach Bond really struggled last week keeping up with Christian McCaffrey. And there's like three things about that. One, you probably shouldn't kill a person after one game. Just fair. You know, that's number one. Number two, it's Christian McCaffrey. And he can make a lot of people look bad. So I don't really think there's any shame in getting dusted by him. However, Bond got benched. And there is a tad bit of shame in that. There is something that says, we cannot put you out there. You are somewhat of a liability. And then three, there is no shame, once again, in specializing in being a run defender. There's nothing wrong with that. However, the Saints don't really need that right now. What they need, and what I was looking for when I was scouting my linebackers, because I assumed we were going to draft one this year, was a pass coverage linebacker in the draft. It's the reason they picked Quine back up, because he is a pass coverage guy. That's the void that they are looking to fill next to DeMario Davis. So being a run defender, is no shame in that. However, it's just not what you need in New Orleans. So there's nothing wrong with that. So let's look at the guy who was a pass coverage linebacker and came out in the draft in the Saints selected. And that's Pete Werner. I said last week that Werner's injury is so unfortunate. I've talked about it all through the beginning of the season and going into training camp about how it's just been very unfortunate for him, specifically because it's cost him a, a position. He likely would have been a backup linebacker behind Quan had he not got hurt. He likely would have came in instead of Andrew Dow for Zach Bond had he not been hurt. And I don't know if maybe seeing Zach Bond get injured, or excuse me, Zach Bond get benched and Quan being injured just all of a sudden sparked his body and motivated to say, you know what, I think I'm feeling better now. But as of Friday, nobody other than Eric McCoy has a game day designation. Which means all these people who are who are hurt, passing yo, uh, and not on IR. All the guys who are hurt and not on IR, of course, passing yo. Werner, Peyton Turner, he played last week, but he had an elbow injury and he had a brace on. Marshawn, Chauncey, these are guys that we should be getting back on the team, and this should be a welcomed addition. But let's specifically focus on Pete Werner. Coming out of the draft, I watched one specific game that always stuck with me, and it was him defending Frymouth in Penn State. And that was such an impressive game because it says, okay, that guy, I didn't watch it before, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched it after we picked him. A little retro, <laughs> a little uh, reactive, I should say, reactive scouting rather than proactive and knowing who he was when we drafted him. However, he, de he defended the tight end really well, and I said, I get why you would want that guy. He can cover. He played some safety in his, in his career. The guy can cover. Now, the pressure will be on him, I will admit. Peyton Turner came out and played phenomenally. Paulson Adebo came out and played phenomenally. There is pressure on him to be as the other guy who's going to play from that draft class. Kawan Baker's on the practice squad. Landon Young won't get in, God forbid, anybody else gets hurt at the tackle position. He won't play there either. Let's knock on wood because we don't want that to happen. But Pete Warner will be the last of the three or last of that draft class to probably play this year. And the pressure is kind of on him to live up to the standard that his, his, his brothers have fit. Speaking of another three trio, Paulson, Peyton, and Pete go along with the Packers, Panthers, and Patriots. Um, and here I am saying I was only going to have one nerd moment of the, of the uh, podcast. There goes two. But anywho, Pete Warner is going to come out and probably have to cover James White. He's not Christian McCaffrey, but James White is a really good receiving back. 
He's somebody you're going to have to deal with. And I don't know if he'll start because he is just coming back from injury. However, when he is on the field, because I do expect to see him a good amount, he might be tasked with having to cover Chris, uh, not Christian McCaffrey, James White, and maybe one of the tight ends. That may be his role. So now, I know I usually do the, I would like this, three matchups, two uh, storylines, one key to victory after I interview somebody, but I don't have any guests here today. So this whole episode will be that. That will be the entire episode. Now I'm going to get into my three matchups to watch for. And this is Alvin Kamara and Tony Jones Jr. versus the New England linebackers. Not just one. Alvin Kamara is the best player on this, on this, uh, best skilled player on this offense. I understand that. However, him and Tony Jones Jr. are going to have to step up versus the New England linebackers. Dante Hightower said, if you were trying to build a perfect back, he essentially has everything you need when referring to Saints running back Alvin Kamara. And that is super high praise. Like, I don't think there's a more... I don't think there's a higher level you could say something about somebody other than saying like they're the greatest of all time. But if you're saying if you want to build a back, he is the prototype. That's high praise. That high praise before the game will turn to a really, really bright spotlight once the game starts. So the Jets averaged 4.9 yards a carry. And each of the three top running backs had a run of at least 14 yards. So that the really high spotlight that's okay. You just have to make sure that you break through the uh, the front seven and you can make something happen. That's what you have to focus on doing. It's okay if they spotlight you, but if you can defeat them, nevertheless, you're going to have a better offensive game. And like I said, it's not just a moment for AK because, yes, he's the guy who's going to have the spotlight, but T-double-J, that's what I'm going to call him because Tony Jones Jr. is a long thing to say to me. I'm going to call him T-double-J. Um... He has also shown that he can run well. And he was not just a preseason guy. The times that he's gotten the ball in his hands, he's performed well. So I want to see him run as well. AK didn't have a lot of time or a lot of touches in the first half last week. Only five. That cannot happen again. I specifically don't want him to have less than five rushes. As long as you can continue to sustain drives. So that's the thing that also impacted the amount of touches he got. Because a couple of his touches were on second and 19, I think, and then second and third and 16, where it was just a bunch of dump downs, and you're not going to really make nothing happen from that. I want to see us try to establish the run and be effective. Not just, I don't want to see us establish the run. That's cliche. What I want to see the Saints do is effectively run the ball. And I know that's always or usually kind of understood in there, but a lot of times some people be like, establish the run just so you can pass effectively running will help you pass though because they will respect your pass or they will respect your run and it should help with the play action that was actually absolutely miserable against Carolina last week if the Jets can run for 4.9 yards of carry and they don't have a running back close to Alvin Kamara's status then the Saints should be able to as well it's going to be a lot of work on the offensive line I don't know if this is the week we see Austin Ryder I do not know but I do know that the offensive line is going to have to get some sort of push, at least in the run game, 
and open up some holes so that Tony Jones Jr. and Alvin Kamara can go to work. I wouldn't mind seeing a lot of two two running back sets. Honestly, and I don't mean just a, a fullback, but 21 is not something that I would be opposed to. 21 personnel is not something I'd be opposed to. I wouldn't mind seeing Jameis in a shotgun with TWJ and AK on his left and right. Because I think that A, you know if they're both in the backfield, all eyes are still going to be on Alvin Kamara. You still know that. He can be used effectively or as the, the main source of the offense. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. But he can also be used as a decoy. You can use Kamara in these two back shotgun sets as a swing player while you're running a draw with T-double-J. Take a defender out and let somebody go right into the hole where he evacuated. They're going to, they're going to focus. Ben, I mean, Bill's not going to fall for this all game. I understand that. And I was saying Matthew Judon was limited in practice. And I mean, I knew that didn't mean anything, but he's a full participant today. I'm not shocked. Nobody's ever shocked. However, we just report these things because these are the facts. And sometimes it feels like you have to say it. But this is the time when you need a 2020 Green Bay type of game from Alvin. This has to be him. We, they know they're not going to let him dominate the game. That's what they're going to try to do. But it has to be some sort of running game when you're going against the secondary that you're going against. Because that's going to be a tough task. If they've shown to be vulnerable in a... In a here's the thing. On the offense, we're a better running team than we are a passing team right now. Not just because of blocking. Take blocking out. Let's just say blocking's good. The Saints are a better running team than they are a passing team because simply the weapons running are better than the weapons receiving. New England is a significantly better secondary than they are front seven. So if your best can go up against their weak and your weak is going against their best, why not pound the ball? And I'm not saying they're not going to do it. I'm just saying that they should. Better on weak rather than going weak on their better. It's that simple. Now let's get into their offense. Let's get into the New England offense. Another matchup that I'm looking for is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson returning from injury against the tight ends of New England. I don't, I know what the statistics say. Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, James White. James White's number one, but the other two, Aguilar and Myers, are your two and three leading receivers. However, in my opinion, Smith, Jonu Smith, and Hunter Henry are better players than those two. And I think that I would not be surprised, at least, to see Josh McDaniel use those two as their favorite knives to try to slice up the Saints. That wouldn't shock me. So, with that being said, I'm calling on my guy returning from injury. I'm looking at Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Let's go, Chauncey. What are you going to do? Because last week, he was supposedly going to be tasked with defending Christian McCaffrey. We know how that ended up. It's done. All right? We're not going to talk about it. However, with another receiving back, how much are you going to see him on him? I think you'll see a lot of DeMario, most likely Pete Warner, and Chauncey kind of shuffling between Henry, Janu, and James White. If for some reason James White start getting loose and he's doing better on Pete, then you might see Chauncey switch over there. However, I think you'll see him start the game on one of those tight ends, specifically Hunter Henry, because Hunter Henry is the more vertical guy. 
He's averaging over 14 yards per catch, and that's the highest on New England right now. No other player, regardless of position, averages more yards per catch as him. Now, he doesn't have the most catches. I don't. He's not even... I think he's five off the top of my head. I think that he is the fifth leading recept has the fifth most receptions on the team but he's like fourth in yards only because he has 14.3 yards per catch i believe i think that's the exact number 14.3 i rounded it down to 14 in my notes so if you're gonna have him going more vertical i think you'll have chauncey he's probably used to having his back maybe able to flip his head you might not want to put uh werner in that position put werner where he can have everything in front of him Maybe John New Smith's going on some more crossing routes. James White's not going to run too many vertical routes, probably some option routes. I would actually, wouldn't actually mind seeing Werner on John New Smith to start off. Um, just because, look, it's all going to be thrown into the fire. However, Smith will be running probably routes where you can look forward a little bit more. Option routes are going to be tough for you. Hunter Henry, you're going to have your back turned, and you're probably going to have to flip your head. Could lead to more penalties, some holding DPIs, things of that nature. But when I'm looking at Chauncey specifically, I want to see him try to take out one of those three best receiving threats that the, the Patriots have. I want to see Chauncey rush the, the line. He's a great uh, blitzer. I love seeing him blitz. He's good in stopping a run, but he's also good in the blitz. That's what makes him so good, in my opinion. He can stop the pass, he can stop the run, and he can rush the passer. It's really good. And his ability to rush the passer and take advantage of a shaky offensive line is important. And it kind of leads me to my next point. Because that O-line is going to be the focus of my last matchup. And that's the defensive ends versus the offensive tackles of New England. So the defensive ends of New Orleans versus the offensive tackles of New England. That offensive line has already struggled. Trent Brown isn't healthy. Their right tackle position is like, ah, shaky. Isaiah Wynn has been bad, struggled. He's had two holding penalties and just hadn't played that well. And this has affected the quarterback. When the offensive line struggles, the quarterback struggles. Hmm. Now tell me, Saints fans, does that sound very similar to how New Orleans was last week where the offensive line struggled and so did the quarterback? But let's read because Mac Jones handled pressure way worse in week two than he did week one so shout out to henry mckenna of the patriots wire for these for these statistics but mac jones under pressure in week one was eight of 13 for 74 yards a touchdown and one sack in week two he was one for four for negative one yards in three sacks against the blitz in week one mac jones was 16 for 20 in 138 yards in week two he was two for five in 17 yards in one sack tells me a couple of things one when i'm looking at week one he had 20 attempts against the blitz and only 13 was against pressure now every single time you're blitz you're not under pressure so without having to go through and look through every single pass that he threw i couldn't tell you how many of those under pressures came from being blitzed but some of them did but not all of them but if you have 20 receptions, let's just say every time he was blitzed or excuse me, every time he was under pressure, he was blitzed. That's not the case, but let's say that was. That's 20 times he was blitzed and only under pressure 13. So at least seven of the times that he was blitzed, he wouldn't have been under pressure. All right. Then another thing it tells me is that in week two, he didn't really handle that well. 
five times blitz, four pressures. He had one more uh, reception against the blitz for probably 18 yards, honestly. But he had one sack. That's just analyzing the numbers. But when I shift over to what I think may be the most important part of those numbers, that's just analyzing the attempts. But when the most important part of those numbers is the sacks. Because in week one, he was under pressure and got one sack. On the blitz, no sacks. In week two, under pressure, he had three sacks. Within the blitz, one sack. So that means of the four sacks that he has given up or that the line has given up, only one of them has came on pressure. But you might be saying, mouth of the south, what the hell does that have to do with anything? What it tells me is that they have got there with their front four. Teams against them, they had one sack. They had three sacks in week two. Two of them came without blitzing. One of the sacks, the only sack they had in week one, came without blitzing. The front four can get there. 100% can get there. You have to have it happen. So I'm looking at Cam Jordan. Luckily, I forgot to call out Andres Pete. I'm going to tell you the truth. Andres Pete playing at a high level is one of the things I would like to see. But unfortunately, I don't know. I must have had a brain fart or something. I don't know how because I was really excited to bash him. But I'm going to leave that veteran alone. Only because I didn't do it. And I don't want to go all the way back to where I was at the beginning. I'm focused on where I'm at. But this veteran in Cam Jordan is somebody I expect better from. Pete, we know what Pete is. And I'm not. only reason I'm not going on what Pete is is because I just said I wasn't going to do it. But trust me, it's tempting. It's very tempting. But Cam, I expect more from you. I wanted to see that last year was an aberration that you were able to bounce back. You're talking about what defensive ends can do once they've hit 30. I understand that playing long is in your plans. However, I'm not calling for you to get cut next year. I'm not doing that. But I am saying it's time for you to pop up and, and make an impactful play in the pass game. He leads the team in pressures, but hell, only him and Carl Grandison are the players at defensive end, at least, who have played both games. Peyton Turner matches the same number as Cam. He only played one game. So I think more so, when I'm looking at Cam, I know he can make some plays in the run game, but I'm looking for you to flash. Because I've yet to see Cam just pop. I've yet to see him make that play. It was like, yep, there goes Cam. Right now is the time. This is one of the times when, like, you're placing Carolina and Matt Khalil is your right tackle, and that's a speed bump. Yasir Durant, I believe, excuse me if I said his first name wrong, is supposed to be a speed bump for you. That right tackle is supposed to be a speed bump for Cam Jordan. If you still got it. I'm looking for you to show you still got it. I'm not on high alert. I'm not firing off the sirens. Not yet. However, you do need to show something. Peyton Turner, you going against Isaiah Wynn. Keep up that momentum, please. Keep up that momentum. Let's get another sack. You really sped it up. You really, uh, excuse me, heated up in the second half. Both in the running game, both in the pass game. And you look like a phenomenal pick. You look like a pick that's good enough to make me forget that we didn't pick Elijah Moore. That's how good you're looking right now. Not even going to lie to you, sugarcoating. You have to keep that up, though. You have to. Now let's get into my storylines to watch out for. And that's the mental warfare between Sean Payton and Bill Belichick. I probably could have put this in my matchups, but this is such an overarching thing that it felt more appropriate 
to be in the storyline category. Jameis was pressured on 64% of his dropbacks last week. Unacceptable. They pressured Zach Wilson on like 40% of his. You can trust and believe that Bill is going to look at the game and say, I'm going to try that too. I would not be shocked at the first game or first play of the game that the Saints are on offense. Bill walks two people up in the A-gap and says, stop this, because you damn sure couldn't do it last week. Wouldn't shock me at all. Panthers did it eight times, continuously work, including three times in a row. Ruiz seems lost, resulted in a lot of pressures. Now it's on the Saints to prove that that game plan won't work two weeks in a row. If they can't, it'll be a long day. It's that simple. And the tough part about it is the minds, great minds. Peyton, Belichick, great minds. But the talent on each side of the ball that they were, you know, specialize in is super slanted for Bill Belichick. These offensive, these offensive weapons on the Saints don't look great. Troutman does not look great. The receivers, none of them look great. Deontay Harris has the most amount of success because you have to respect his speed, and you've seen that. But I always thought he was going to be a specialty gadget guy anyway. I don't think he's supposed to be your number two receiver. Alvin Kamara is phenomenal. Probably the best player of all uh, the, the skill positions against both teams on both sides. But you got to hit them where they're weak. You got to try to establish the run game. We said that. But the thing is, it's really important because the Saints are playing a team that like to run a lot of man-to-man, man-to-man, excuse me, with the New England Patriots. Man-to-man is not good against receivers who cannot separate. Might have to run some mess schemes, some, some zone, I mean, some man beaters. I don't know. But I'm looking for Jawan Johnson, hopefully. A little AK, a little Deontay Harris. Let's mix that up because I don't think you're going to see Callaway. If J.C. Jackson is on him, I don't think you're seeing Callaway. Just straight up. That man is going to be a witness protection. So let's go, Peyton. I want to see Peyton scheme up some good plays for AK, Deontay Harris. Let's get some Jawan Johnson hell. I would love to see Adam Troutman again. Let's see them all get some recipe. I mean, get all get some action. That would be a recipe for success. Of course, with protection willing. Another storyline to watch out for, and my last one, is who wins the turnover battle? Always important. Always important and can swing a game. In the Saints' first two games, you may or may not see a case for both feel as if the turnovers were important. To me, they weren't. You look at the first game, I think that those interceptions from Adebo and Marcus Williams absolutely took out all hope from the Green Bay Packers of resurging and coming back to get this game back and win. I think that's what those interceptions did. And playing clean allowed the offense to continue to keep moving. Sometimes winning the turnover battle isn't just about getting turnovers. It's about not having your team commit turnovers so that you can continue to have long drives. Then in the last game, Jameis' interception stopped any hope of getting points at the end of the half. And while Sam Darnold's interception led to the only points the Saints were to score on the day. Want a better example? Let's talk about the opponent that you're facing. The New England Patriots scored 16 of their 25 points against the New York Jets off of turnovers that was how they continued that was their best source of offense getting turnovers defense was their best offense that week the week prior they had a costly fumble they had two fumbles in that game that were lost but they had a costly fumble and they drove down and were in position to score they only lost by one they only needed a field goal to win and damian williams or excuse me damian harris fumbled the ball that effectively cost them the game 
So far, they fumbled five times and they lost two. Mac Jones has given up two of them. Get to the quarterback. And let's be aggressive while still focused on tackling. Let's be aggressive and try to maybe peanut punch a couple of those uh, balls out of the skill position hands. Excuse me, the skill position hands. They didn't fumble any against the Jets. So four of those five fumbles came against the Dolphins in week one. However, they've shown themselves to be able to cough the ball up. Let's get active. Let's get there. Mac Jones hasn't lost a fumble. Let's sack him. Let's force a fumble and let's recover it because defense can translate to offense. The one time you scored against Carolina was off of a penalty. I mean, excuse me, off of a turnover. So let's continue to get active. Let's do it. And then finally, before we get out of here, my one key to victory, and that's force the Patriots into third and long. Y'all ready for a stats the Saints fans that should be pretty used to? Air yards. Y'all should be real familiar with the air yards concept because it was used over the last two years to really discredit Drew Brees. And I'm not going to sit here and run it and, you know, run it off and be like, this is so important for Mac Jones. I'm not going to do that because I did not allow it to completely detract from Drew Brees. Mac Jones has only attempted two uh, passes of 20 yards down the field in his last game against the Jets, one or two. Last week, he went 22 for 30 with nine passes being thrown at or behind the line of scrimmage. All of them were completed, but that's nearly a third of his attempts, and that's over 40% of his completions. Once again, I'm putting these numbers out here because they don't mean nothing, but they don't mean everything. So they tell part of a story. I remember last week, or last year, excuse me, sometimes when the Saints would get behind the sticks, it would be a struggle. It would be a drive killer. You knew once the Saints got behind the sticks, they likely weren't going to make anything happen unless they did a dump down to AK and he made his own magic. So air yards are not important as long as you can have a successful offense. However, it do it does, excuse me, it does point to something. And that's my key to victory. Force the Patriots into third and longs. The whole season, he's had 15 passes. Mac Jones has had 15 passes that travel over to over 10 yards in the air. So if you can get them pushed back, push back maybe into third and eight situations because they've struggled. Third and eight plus have been a have been a real grinded out. Let's go into week one. They were 11 of 16 on third down against Miami. Only one of three on third downs of eight plus. Three of 12. They struggled all together in that one. On third down against the Jets. 0 of 6 in third downs of 8 and plus. You see the direct correlation of the farther back the, the third down is, the less success they have. Because if you take them away, then the Patriots are 10 of 13 on third down against Miami, and they're 3 of 6 on third down against the Jets. Overall, they're a good third down team. They are. They're not a bad third down team. And if you take it away... They're averaging over 50%. They'll be 14 of 22. Yes, quick math. That'd be right at 70, right at 66%, right around there. But when you put them in situations where Mac Jones has to air it out more, he doesn't seem to be comfortable. He took a lot of criticism for not throwing a deeper route that would have been a touchdown on a flea flicker play of sort. It was a throwback more so. And he took the underneath route, but the, the deep route was open. I need you to force him to third and eight or more. It's a direct correlation. 
The same way getting behind the sticks was a drive killer for the New Orleans Saints in the last couple of years, getting them into third and eights have proven to stop drives for the Patriots. The Saints have been really effective at stopping the run. You stop the run here, maybe get some pressure, maybe get a sack on first or second down. Now you're forcing them into situations where they have to air the ball out and they have not shown yet to be comfortable doing that. So that is my one key to victory. You have my three matchups. You have my two storylines. You have my one key to victory. And you have some things I would like to see. Except I forgot to talk about Pete. This is my time. It's my time to bash Pete. Everybody bashes Pete on their, on their podcast. This was my chance. But it's okay. I'm sure he'll mess up again. Hopefully it's just not this game. Because we need him. He's important. Key to victory, man. Let's force the New England Patriots in the third and eight plus and force Mac Jones to beat us. Because for so long, he has, for so long, for two weeks, <laughs> for two weeks, I got a really impassioned there. For two weeks, Mac Jones has not been the reason that the New England Patriots won, but he's also not been the reason that they lost. Let's force him to be the reason that they win. And hopefully we show that he will be the reason that they do lose this week three matchup against our New Orleans Saints. And y'all know the drill to the next time y'all hear me run it back. It's been Darian Gray, the mouth of the South. Vanille. Blessed.